Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm London. I'm Anya, and this is Grave Danger. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Christmas for this episode specifically, though. Christmas for this episode because it's Santa. That's all I know about it. It's Santa. It is Santa. Santa involved. There is Santa involved in this episode. Um, But I was also just saying that because it's Christmas week. Happy holiday week. Happy holiday week. So Merry Christmas for all of uh, you people celebrating it. We have a a Christmassy episode. Yeah. right. Got a little bit of holiday spirit and uh, (laughs) murder. Yeah, let's just uh, get into her. All right, so setting the scene here, it's Christmas Eve 2008. It's always a good way to start a fucking murder scene. (laughs) The Ortega family was hosting their annual Christmas Eve get-together at the home of Joseph and Alice Ortega. They live in Covina, California, which was a quiet, low-crime community. It's about 22 miles east of Los Angeles. The Ortegas were said to be a normal family. Joseph, who his family called Papa Joe. Uh, His parents were immigrants, so he was the first generation of his family to be born here, and he did really well for himself and his family. And actually, just that year in 2008, he had retired and his son took over his business. Cool. Mm -hmm. Our little family business going. (laughs) So Joe and Alice invited all five of their adult children and their families to their home. The Christmas Eve party was in full swing. Most of the adults were in the living room playing poker, which was a family tradition for them. And the rest of the family was chatting, chatting, <laughs> chatting <laughs> uh, was chatting and hanging out. And the kids were in the backyard playing, just, you know, normal family get together. Uh, so nearing 11.30 p.m., some of the family members would start packing up to head home when one of the kids sees someone outside walking up to the house that looked familiar. The guy is in a red coat with a white beard, pulling a wrapped up box behind him like a gift. And so the little eight-year-old girl, her name's Katrina, is like, oh my god, it's Santa. And she runs to the door and opens the door super excited. Except it wasn't gifts and fun stuff. uh, Because in Santa's other hand, that wasn't carrying the box, he had a 9mm handgun. And as soon as the door opened, he started firing it at the whole family. And just putting it out there now, Katrina was the first one shot since she opened the door. The bullet went through her cheek, but it wasn't fatal. And she turned out to be okay, so you don't have to worry about 8-year-old Katrina. She's good. Okay, good. Yeah. (laughs) And so then when the Santa entered the house, he had a clear view of the poker table and started shooting at everyone. Some of the family members were able to escape the house through the backyard, most of them being children that were already outside. And after everyone downstairs had either gone away or been shot, the Santa cleared the upstairs as well, and then he unwrapped the gift he brought with him. It was some kind of fuel tank with a makeshift nozzle on top, so it's like a homemade flamethrower. And he started setting the place on fire. And it's not very holly jolly of him. Oh my god. Yeah. And these weren't like normal, like something's caught on fire kind of flames. They were like 50 feet tall and intense flames. 
Well, if you have a fuel tank, it's yeah. usually, you yes. know, that's kind of a, that's a big thing. Yeah, and so at this point, police are already getting calls about the situation, one being from one of the daughters, Letitia, who was able to escape and hop the back fence to get to the neighbor's house and use their phone to call 911. But by that time, even, some neighbors were already calling because they heard the gunshots, and the first 911 call was logged at 11.27 p.m. So, firefighters were able to get out there, but it took, like, 80 of them several hours to put the flames out. Oh, my God. Yeah. By that time, anybody who didn't make it out did unfortunately die. I mean, yeah, that's eight hours? You're- that's- Well, no, 80 of them. 80 firefighters, several hours. I heard that. Yeah, you get it. You know. (laughs) Still several hours. So, then police start questioning neighbors to see if they saw anything. Of course, some people are like, "Uh, we saw Santa. But one neighbor said they saw someone drive away in a blue Dodge just minutes before police had gotten there, which she noted as weird, not just because of the gunshots and then flames, but also because the car had drove away from the scene with all the lights turned off. Police Wait, la- was this, this was at nighttime, right? Yeah. Okay. It's at like 11.30 p.m. Okay. Police later find out that this wasn't the only murder that took place that night. Roughly 40 miles away, police were called to a home where a man named Bruce Pardo was found shot in his head with a 9mm gun. And he also had a handgun in his lap and one on the floor. And so police thought that this guy had tried to defend himself but got shot first and the killer left behind the murder weapon. The house that Bruce was found in at was his brother's house, which is who found Bruce. Did the ballistics match for the I mean, yeah. guns? Like, But they left it behind? Or did the Santa go from one house to then that one? At this point, that is what they are thinking, yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. the one dude who got killed was after the family yeah this call came in later yeah i didn't know if it was before no it was after yeah so now back at the ortega house when police were finally able to enter the house and do a search they found nine bodies that they were only able to identify through dental records they all have one thing in common which was a single nine millimeter bullet hole most of which were in their heads all fired from very close range which almost looks exactly like bruce pardo and although that house wasn't burned down everything else was similar and like linked it together so the, this made police super nervous because they were worried that whoever had done it was still out there and could be killing more people. And they start looking into if there's a connection between the Ortega family and Bruce. So now let's talk about Bruce. He was a local to the area. He grew up in San Fernando Valley in the 1970s and went to college for computer science at Cal State Northridge. Right after Bruce graduated, he started working as a software engineer at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL. <laughs> Which nowadays is where a lot of development into NASA is done, but it started as a missile development place. So everything was pretty okay for Bruce until the 1980s when he had a string of bad relationships, including a whole wedding he ditched, like fully left the bride at the altar. What the fuck? Yeah, it was 1988. He was 24 at the time. Uh, Bruce became engaged to one of his like JPL coworker named Delia. They invited 250 guests to the ceremony at San Fernando Mission. And Bruce didn't have much money. He was living with his mother at the time. So Delia dipped into her savings for a country club reception and honeymoon reservations in Tahiti. On the day of the wedding, June 17th, Delia, as well as his brother Brad and his mother Nancy Windsor, waited for nearly an hour for him to show up, and he never did. In the next week, she learned that he had withdrawn the $3,000 left in their credit union account and had gone to Palm Springs and blew all the money. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, it's on site. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fighting. <laughs> if that ever happened to me, yeah, <laughs> bars. 
Then in 2001, at age 37, Bruce was in an on-and-off relationship with a woman named Elena Lucano, who he had a son with named Matthew. And one day, Bruce is watching Matthew, and when Elena comes home, she sees Bruce screaming and Matthew limp in his arms. He says that somehow he had gotten away and slipped into the pool. They rush to the emergency room. Matthew does end up staying there for a few weeks, but he suffered some terrible brain damage and wouldn't be able to walk ever again. And Bruce had been staying at the hospital pretty much every night until the doctors gave this news. And then he started showing up less and less. And eventually he and Elena broke up and Bruce decided he didn't want to see his son anymore and stopped helping with his medical bills as well. Uh, Bruce sounds like a piece of shit. <laughs> okay, fair, yeah. So two years go by and Bruce is introduced to Sylvia Ortiz by one of Bruce's co-workers at JPL. Sylvia had three children from two previous marriages. And Bruce's friends thought that she was just what he needed, like a down-to-earth woman with a large family. They hit it off and got married on January 29th, 2006. You didn't run away from this one or while they fun. Bruce bought a three-bedroom home in Montrose with her, uh, taking on a $452,000 mortgage. And they also bought an Akita, which they named Saki. That's cute. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> that's a cute name. Yeah. <laughs> And they seem to be happy with Sylvia's four-year-old daughter. Bruce was also a regular usher for Sunday Mass at Holy Redeemer Catholic Church a few blocks away. At first, Bruce was drawn to his wife's warm and welcoming family, but after the first year of their marriage, she told friends that he had become cold, miserably, and distant, and they often argued about money. And at the same time, Bruce's mother had grown quite fond of Sylvia and her children. In late 2007, she confided to her daughter-in-law that Bruce had a severely disabled son whom he claimed on his taxes to get more money back, but didn't support. Wait, she, he didn't tell- Nope, I'm not she shocked. didn't know this. I'm not shocked, actually. She did not Continue. know this, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could say I was. That was the tipping point for Sylvia, and they separated March 7th, 2008. And she filed for a divorce and moved in with her sister in Glendale. You know what? Pop off, Sylvia. I respect her. As part of the divorce, Bruce was ordered to pay Sylvia $1,785 a month in spousal support. And during the court proceeding, when she's giving the evidence as to why she wants a divorce, she's saying everything that we now know. But Bruce didn't want this information to get out because he didn't want people to know what was going on in his personal life, and this sent him into an even deeper depression. And on June 11th, Bruce goes down to Burbank, which isn't far, to a gun store and purchases a handgun with cash. Then in July, right after he was ordered to start paying Sylvia, he lost his job because he got caught with billing his employers for hours he wasn't actually working, aka stealing, so he also couldn't get unemployment because of this. And then on August 8th, he buys a second-hand gun from the same store. And apparently in California, there's a 30-day waiting period. You have to wait after buying a gun before you can buy another one. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So that yeah, makes sense. <laughs> so after a month, he got the second handgun. Imagine having gun laws. <laughs> and then on September 8th, he bought another handgun. And on October 11th, can you guess? He bought a fourth handgun. It's not concerning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the slightest. <laughs> that month, October 2008, a friend of Bruce named Steve, uh, he lived in Iowa, and he told Bruce to come out and visit him. And Bruce does go visit Steve and opens up about everything and tells him that he's been thinking about everything going on. And that he was embarrassed about how the proceedings went in court and also the fact that he, when he was fired, it was publicly discussed. And what made it even worse for him was that his mother wanted nothing to do with him at that point. They I wouldn't either. <laughs> they weren't even talking anymore and she actually sat on Sylvia's side to support her during the court hearing. If 
I was Bruce's mother, um, <laughs> I would absolutely do the same thing. Uh, if you raise a piece of shit like that, like, I don't, I don't blame her, but like, <laughs> I respect her for sitting on Sylvia's yeah. side. Yeah, so Bruce was basically blaming everything that happened to him on Sylvia. What the fuck? Yeah. So that's Bruce's story that the police found out. And what does this have to do with the Ortegas and the Santa killer? Well, Sylvia's maiden name was Ortega. Oh, dear. And was one of the people that were killed. And Sylvia's one of the people that were killed? Yep. Mm. And their divorce had actually been finalized on December 18th, which was barely a week before the massacre. And on top of the settlement of the divorce, Bruce was also ordered to pay $10,000 out of pocket. And Sylvia got to keep the engagement ring and the dog. Well, Saki. Well, Saki. <laughs> so then Bruce, who has no money, supposedly, uh, goes back to the gun store on November 13th and buys a fifth gun. <laughs> Why do you need five guns? Hell. I don't know. I don't know. So after connecting all this, they're thinking it was Bruce who was in the Santa costume. So they asked the family members who survived if they could possibly ID him. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But the issue was that the few who did escape were their children who ran out the back before the attacker had even like, gotten in. And the only adults in the room who made it out that could possibly ID the person were the parents of the eight-year-old girl, Katrina. And they were in the hospital with their daughter, so they had to wait to ask them for an ID. Mm -hmm. So police then go back to where they found Bruce's body, which was his brother's house, as we know. And... They were also able to conclude that the two guns that were found there were, in fact, Bruce's guns. And he also had, like, a third gun, apparently, like, attached to his, like, hip or something. But, yeah. So the theory of there being multiple shooters went out the window. Well, a block away, a neighbor of Bruce's called in a suspicious-looking vehicle, and they believed that it didn't belong to any of the neighbors because they just, like, watch and stuff. And when police came by and ran the plates of the car, it was the car that the other neighbor had saw leaving the Ortega house with no lights on. And it was just a rental car, but it was rented earlier that week to Bruce. So, th this story has already had so many plot twists that yep. I was not yes. expecting. I was expecting it to go one way, and then it went like six other directions yep. that I wasn't expecting. I, I did it that way on purpose, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yes. Also, with the ID thing really quick, though. Mm -hmm. um, he was dressed as Santa Claus. Like, he that means he had the beard and everything on. And the hat. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be extremely hard to identify him. You're based probably off of right. <laughs> but they wanted to try. They were like, hey, who'd you see? Oh, Santa Claus, big shocker there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what did he look like? Oh, white hair, beard, <laughs> red outfit. I mean, that's our guy. What the fuck? <laughs> You're right, yeah. So yeah, the rental car was rented out to Bruce. And so police go to look in their vehicle, and they find the Santa suit. And when they lifted it up, the whole thing caught on fire. So it's believed, and pretty much is, uh, that Bruce had rigged the car to blow up if someone came looking through it. Megan, you're like... I'm just like... Okay. I'm really just trying to process so, yeah, yeah. everything. So they, oh, they, they lifted the Santa suit and the whole car went... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did anybody die from that? No. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, this man said nobody's finding out anything. Yeah. 
after that, police found out that Bruce bought a plane ticket to go see Steve. But then they found out that Bruce also rented another car. And inside of that car, when they located it, they found food, guns, and maps of the U.S. and Mexico border. So it's believed that Bruce's plan was to go to Mexico, but have the police be, like, looking for him in Iowa based off of the plane ticket. So he had, like, multiple plans. So Yes. Okay. Then when they... Wait, so who killed him? I'm getting there. Oh, I don't have patience. <laughs> uh, so then when they were finally able to talk to Letitia, who was at the party, she was able to confirm that it was Bruce. Wait, Letitia is the mom of the girl? Yes. Okay. Yeah, she's. they were able to escape, yeah. Okay. Um, she was able to confirm that it was Bruce who showed up in the Santa suit and was the only one who was able to confirm the night's events and that he was mainly going towards Sylvia while shooting. Mm. Makes sense. Unfortunate, but it makes sense. Still leaves the question. Why did he go to his brother's house and kill himself? Was who shot him? Like, they're thinking he killed himself at this point. But why would he do that if he had this whole plan to leave? The guilt. The all-consuming guilt of murdering an entire fucking family i highly doubt that one it wasn't like he was a psychopath he had feelings and yeah stuff. and like maybe he was like this is what i need to make myself feel feel better and then like he did it and he was like oh my god i'm a monster i can't believe i just did that like, blah, 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 blah. but then again he also abandoned his disabled child so you know <laughs> never mind he's a shit guy well, since Bruce's flamethrower was filled with some kind of racing fuel, which is extremely sensitive to heat, more so than regular fuel. What's the difference? I thought they just used, like, regular... Apparently they don't. I wonder from this, too. I'm not sure what the difference is, but there's a difference. They said, race cars are more likely to catch on fire. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. put <laughs> super flammable liquid into it, more than usual. Yes. <laughs> to really fucking over. <laughs> And so, yeah, at some point during the torching of the home, two open flames in fireplaces triggered an explosion. Oh, God. And that's what made the flames so big, too. Yeah. And it actually caught Bruce and the Santa suit on fire. When medical examiners were looking at Bruce's remains, he was severely burned all over his body. He had second and third degree burns on his arms, hands, and the back of his neck. And he also had leg burns, and his Santa suit had melted into his skin. So the coroners believe that since he was in so much pain from the burns, that he just decided to kill himself rather than attempt to escape the country. Well, with third degree, well, yeah, honestly, it would be kind of hard to escape the country if you are literally yes. like crippled from these burns. Exactly, yeah. Um, There'd be like no clean getaway. Literally, they'd be like, um, sir, are you okay? And he'd be like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> As he's like leaking fucking like, yes. fluids all over the goddamn plane. But also, though, with third degree burns, you usually don't like feel it because it causes nerve damage so what you have to feel those burns at some point you feel for second degree burns third degree burns you don't feel yeah second and third degree burns i know but <laughs> second degree burns they hurt like a bitch but and when i got the third degree burn on my arm it i couldn't feel it my skin turned black like i just didn't feel it at all interesting and yeah. i didn't feel it while it was healing either i only started feeling it like numb like after it started healing all the way weird second degree burns hurt like a bitch well he had second degree burns too so i mean yeah but that's Could not be. enough to kill yourself I, I mean it's enough to not be able to get a clean escape which he wanted i get that but also even if he you get it i don't know i don't know i just feel like that's not enough to 
completely throw away all these plans that you've had in place. I don't know, because, like, it's either... I think his plan was either to, like, he either needed to get away with this or, like, done for. Like, there was no other option. I don't think he wanted to even try to, like, get arrested any of that. He did not want... Like, so as soon as he's, like, can't get a clean escape, I'm gonna kill myself. Oh, actually, now that I'm thinking, I feel like he wouldn't be, like, coherent enough from, like, the pain to Mm -hmm. actually drive to. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. So, And this is also what, like, police are speculating, too. Obviously, none of this can be 100% confirmed because he's not alive. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's what, this is what they're thinking, his, his mindset, too. So, yeah, that's, like, the story of the massacre. Police did find out that Bruce had planned to kill more people that night before going to Mexico, too. Uh, Who the fuck else? They found a list of people he had. Oh, of course, yes. yeah. Uh, so besides Sylvia, he was going to kill his ex-wife's attorney and his own mother. Who I'm not shocked. His mom was invited to go to the Ortega's Christmas Eve party, but she was sick and didn't go. That's survivor's guilt. <laughs> That's, <laughs> uh, that would fuck you up. So yeah, I want to take a moment, though. That That is, like, pretty much the whole story. That's where it, like, ends. It's like, he died. He did it. Like, this, yeah. But I do want to... just kill himself. Like, yeah. wrapped it up, you know? Yep. Nice and sweet little <laughs> Christmas murder. <laughs> um, but I do want to take a moment to go through the nine who died in the massacre. It included 43-year-old Sylvia Pardo, 80-year-old Joseph Ortega, and 70-year-old Alice Ortega. So those are the parents. 52-year-old James Ortega, which was the eldest son, and his wife, 51-year-old Teresa Ortega. That couple had three adult children at the time of their death. Another son in the family, 50-year-old Charles Ortega, who had taken over the uh, father's business, but shortly before his death, had passed it down to his own son. His wife, 40-year-old Sherry Ortega, who he had met in high school and had five kids with. And their other daughter, 46-year-old Alicia Ortiz, who was recently divorced and lived with her three children in Ontario. And then her son, 17-year-old Michael Ortiz, who is a senior in high school and on his school's varsity baseball team. And 13 of the younger survivors were left orphaned. That's so fucked up. <laughs> uh, Leticia was the only surviving daughter of Joe and Alice. And she was interviewed a few years ago about how her life has been. And of course, she misses her family deeply. But with her daughter, Katrina, they have been reaching out to other families who have been affected by gun violence through letters to just give them support from people who have also experienced what they've been through. And in 2018, when Katrina was 17, she helped organize a walkout at her school about gun control. It was 17 minutes long, each minute representing a victim of the February 14th shooting at Stone and Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Oh, yeah, my school did that. (laughs) Yeah, so she was the one that organized it at her school, though. Okay, so yeah, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Katrina and her close friend created a video to help spread the word about the walkout at their school, telling peers that it's their duty to stand together as a generation to demand change. Katrina said, quote, I've lived through it, and I'm still living my life as best as I can. It's not stopping me. It's not instilling fear in me. I want that change. I don't want other families to go through what me and my family went through. I'm seeing good for her. Can't take story. Yeah, you know, on the subject of gun laws and everything like that, the fact that, like, all of this stuff, like, exists and there's so much evidence that, not even, like, getting rid of guns. I'm not asking to, like, get rid of guns, you know, because that's ever going to happen. Yeah. But, like, just even making more restrictive laws on it 
like background checks like yeah. not waiting only 30 i mean like you know at least like 30 days like it's like some sort of mm-hmm. and like any kind of law in place because like i know yeah. in a lot of places like like indiana and stuff mm-hmm. like there's jack shit for gun mm-hmm. laws there's absolutely nothing there our walmart's here sell guns I our walmart's here sell yeah. guns like, yeah you walk into the store and it's like oh hey do you want to go buy this fucking hunting rifle yeah yeah like oh yeah sure like how old are you yeah cool like <laughs> we don't even really give a fuck just take the gun mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't care like i don't know i think that that all of this stuff like exists like this story too and the fact that like stoneman douglas like all that kind Mm -hmm. of all of those are happening and people are still like oh like no gun laws like fuck you like yeah like yeah are you fucking kidding that's like you children are families are dying Mm -hmm. because yeah you don't want slightly more restrictive gun laws like i just sorry that just really pisses me off the entire thing just pisses me off mm-hmm. no fair yeah i'm glad she was doing good and survived no shot really glad for that that's why i put that right in the beginning i was like eight-year-old katrina's okay lucy boy was uh shitty bruce is going straight to hell <laughs> no stopping no passing go lucifer said we got a room right <laughs> here for you buddy there's a whole thing about um which was really sad reading about 17 year old michael ortiz that got killed doing it it was about just like his life and everything yeah. Like, that. Yeah. yeah like all of like his coach like people at his school and stuff are just like he was gonna go places that's so fucked up mm-hmm. wait whatever happened with um his other son and his ex-wife or ex well they're just, they're just living their life there's nothing on them no i mean they probably want to stay out of media and stuff after i mean that's yeah. fair yeah. like i don't like blame them for mm-hmm. being up i don't know as long as they're doing yeah they can deal with him well yeah so that's our case for this week merry christmas happy holidays guys yeah. merry christmas along godspeed see you next week <laughs>